What's up listeners, we're back for another week of high school football in the dorm room studio, so ignore any of the cars passing by, ignore any of the background noise, because we've got football to talk about. It's week three of my high school football podcast, focusing in on Southern California high school football, the best football in the country. I think by now, we know the drill. Let's get right into it. Oh, that's big. Oh, let's go. 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 Welcome to my high school football podcast. I'm talking SoCal football. The performances you need to know about. The best things I saw on Friday night. Now, before we dive into these week three games, I have a subject I'd like to bring some light to. Today, you're going to learn about two things. If you don't already know who T.A. Cunningham is, you're going to know who he is. And if you don't know about CIF's corruption and inefficiencies, you're going to know about them today. So T.A. Cunningham is a five-star defensive tackle and the number one ranked defensive tackle in the nation. T.A.'s got every D1 offer in the book, but there's one thing he's been missing this season. And that's the fact he has not appeared in a game yet due to CIF transfer processes that work about as well as a broken record. Before this season, T.A. was set to transfer from his high school in Georgia to Los Alamitos, a transfer we all thought would go pretty smoothly. If you guys remember back to my episode with Greg Biggins on my Tuesday podcast a couple weeks back, GB spoke of the impact T.A. Cunningham was going to have for Los Al this season, and there was no concern about his transfer status at the time. But this is not how CIF functions. Heading into week three of the season, T.A. finally received word that his hardship waiver request had been denied by CIF. Now, first of all, getting CIF to explain their process on accepting and rejecting transfers is a headache in itself. But what I hate the most about this whole process is what CIF is costing these players. I get there's a component of legalities that has to occur within the transfer process, but for TA's case, he played in Georgia and is now playing in California. Regardless of residency change or any of the other ticky-tack regulations that CIF has, I don't understand why TA can't play right now. Again, he played in a different state last year. Why can he not come to Los Alamitos in California and play right away? I agree that players shouldn't be able to just jump ship from school to school within their districts. But in a case like T.A. Cunningham, I see no reason why he should not be out on the field right now playing with his team. CIF is taking a player like T.A. Cunningham and toying with his future. And it's wrong. They're taking away an experience he will never be able to get back, and that's playing his senior year of high school football. I hope 
that TA is able to get on the field for Los Alamitos this season. But also, I know CIF has cost him three weeks of what should have been a memorable senior season. This is what CIF does. Amid all the rules and regulations they impose, they disregard a player's future, a player's family, a player's high school experience. Things that you're never going to get back, moments that you will never get back, and this to me is not okay. So this is all I'm going to say about this today. This subject pisses me off because CIF, again, is playing with people's futures and it's completely wrong how they go about this process. I will probably revisit this subject in a later week. And if I have this whole narrative wrong, I welcome CIF to reach out to me and explain to me where I'm wrong. But I also know they're not going to do that. Now, let's get into some of these games from week three of high school football. I had so much fun talking about the Edison Chargers last week that I'm going to start with them today and talk about another dominant victory for the Chargers who took down Palos Verdes 35-7. The common theme that I've seen from Edison has been their two-way players showing out. Last week, I talked about Jackson Irwin as a defensive end, and today I'm talking about him as a receiver. On Thursday night, he caught three first-half touchdowns, and his third touchdown came right after he blocked a punt to set up great field position for the Chargers. In the second half, Irwin continued to go to work on the defensive side of the ball, recording a sack in the third quarter. Carter Hogue, who was my player of the week last week, came to play again in this game, scoring Edison's fourth touchdown of the game on a 70-plus yard touchdown run. Quarterback Parker Awad also had himself a night throwing for three touchdowns to Irwin, and he also ran in a score of his own for the Chargers' final touchdown of the night and a big win for Edison, who is 4-0 to start the season. The St. John Bosco Braves continued their dominant start to the season, shutting out number one ranked team in Oregon Central Catholic. The Braves' first two scores came on runs by Cameron Jones and Khalil Warren. Then quarterback Pierce Clarkson found wide receiver DeAndre Moore, for a touchdown, and running back Chauncey Sylvester put the Braves up 28-0 after a 79-yard touchdown run. To cap off the first half, receiver Eric Denham threw a 67-yard touchdown pass to Cameron Jones on a trick play. The final two scores of the game came on another Pierce Clarkson to DeAndre Moore touchdown and another touchdown run by Chauncey Sylvester. The Louisville connections were strong for the Braves Friday night as both quarterback Pierce Clarkson and wide receivers DeAndre Moore and Jaleel McLean are Louisville commits. Clarkson and Moore connected for the two touchdown passes and Moore led the team with 95 receiving yards, giving Louisville fans a little taste of what their future has in store. Just as Bosco took home a victory in dominant fashion, the modern-day Monarchs stayed true to their dominating ways in a 35-0 victory over La Mirada. Elijah Brown opened up the scoring with a touchdown pass to Jordan Anubugi. Nathaniel Frazier then ran in a 41-yard touchdown run, and Elijah Brown then hit Marcus Harris for a touchdown to cap off a 21-0 first quarter. Linebacker Leviticus Sua put the Monarchs up 28-0 in the second quarter when he returned an interception for a touchdown when La Mirada tried to go for it on 4th and 6. 
to end a dominant first half. Nathaniel Frazier once again broke off for a huge touchdown run, this one being a 98-yard run, which put Modern Day up 35 to nothing at halftime. This was all the scoring done for Modern Day on Friday night. They took it easy the rest of the way in this dominant victory. Moving on to my mission, Viejo Diablos, we rebounded very nicely against Sierra Canyon this week. The Diablos, led by Caden Simons and a stellar defense, walked away from this game with a 41-0 shutout victory. Caden finished the night with 280 passing yards and a touchdown while running in two scores. KJ Reed was the recipient of his passing touchdown, and wide receiver Mikey Matthews had a game for himself turning six catches into 118 yards. Now, if we take a look over at the Long Beach Poly Jackrabbits, they continued their perfect season with a 34-24 victory over Losinger. Running back Devin Samples had himself a night scoring three total touchdowns, two on the ground, and one through the air on a pass from quarterback Darius Curry. Dalen Austin joined in on the scoring on the defensive side of the ball with a 32-yard pick six, Timmy Tuagamoa also had an interception in this game. Los Alamitos took on Servite on Friday night, and their offense was firing. Five-star quarterback Malachi Nelson lit it up, throwing for 306 yards and four touchdowns. Wide receiver Makai Lemon had a day alongside Nelson, hauling in five receptions for 229 yards and two touchdowns. The two will be joining forces at USC next year, and I'm sure Lincoln Riley and Trojan fans are getting excited watching these two on the field this season. Nelson's two touchdown passes to Makai Lemon were of 76 yards and 69 yards, highlighting the explosiveness of the duo. Gavin Porsche and Andrew Dubois also caught a touchdown from Nelson on the night. While Nelson and Lemon were shining on Friday night, they weren't the only members of LoSal's offense turning heads. Running back Damian Henderson rushed for 202 yards and three scores in LoSal's 47-14 victory over Servite. Hopefully, in due time, T.A. Cunningham will be able to join his teammates on the field. The final game I want to highlight today is Santa Margarita's Huge victory over Mullen from Colorado. The Eagles won this game 63-6 to improve to 4-0 on the season. Santa Margarita quarterback Jackson Potter had four total touchdowns on the night, one on the ground and three in the air. SM's backup quarterback, Beckham Kritza, looked sharp in his action on Friday night, throwing for a touchdown of his own. A lot of Eagles reached the end zone in this game with Tara Nash, Chase Jones, Jake Foyer, Jelani Leva, all rushing in scores to go along with Jackson Potter's rushing touchdown. And then Bain Eisman, Emmett Mosley, Sean Embry, and Kyle Brody caught all four touchdown passes thrown by SM's quarterbacks. To round out this episode with my players of the week, I think I've got to go back to Los Alamitos. This was an explosive game high-powered offense by Losal, and I'm going to hand out three Player of the Week awards all from this game. One to quarterback Malachi Nelson, who again threw for 306 yards and four touchdowns. Another to his wide receiver, Makai Lemon, who turned five receptions into an absurd 229 yards and two touchdowns. For those of you wondering, that's 45.8 yards per catch. And then I've got Losal's running back, Damian Henderson, who rushed for 202 yards and three scores, 
And those three from LaSalle round out my players of the week in week three of Southern California high school football. And that caps off today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you back here next Sunday morning for some more high school football. And don't forget to listen to my Tuesday episode, which is going to be all about what I've learned from college football so far this season. Thanks for listening to the Sean's Take podcast and make sure to join Sean's Take on social media for more unique and exclusive content by following at Sean's Take on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok.